You're listening to Radio Luxus, and I'm your host, Steve Matthews. Thanks for joining me for episode 88. The title of tonight's episode is, Is the Financial System About to Break? All right, so speaking about breaks, I guess it's been a little break since I've been uh, done one of these for you. I think it's been probably, what, about a month or so, which is kind of hard to believe. But, you know, time flies and stuff gets in the way and, well, you know how that works. Anyway, um, I'm actually doing this way too late. It's one o'clock in the morning right now and I really should be in bed. Um, it's kind of weird. I, I got on a roll. I was I was actually editing uh, another podcast that I had done last week um, for Trinity Foundation Radio. And I kind of got on a roll. I was like, you know, I think I'd like to do a Radio Looks Lucid tonight. I mean, why not? So anyway, here I am. And uh, thanks for uh, listening here with me. It's always great to have you here. And, uh, well, let's see, what do we have going here? Well, we had a really nice weather day today. It was pretty amazing. Um, you know, the last few days here in Cincinnati have just been brutal. I mean, it's been in the mid-90s and uh, very high humidity. And uh, it's really the kind of stuff you get in the dog days of summer. You don't typically get that here in June around these parts. And uh, uh, we weren't the only ones. You know, I saw something on the news where they were talking about some kind of big heat alert for really pretty much the, you know, the eastern third or so of the United States. So anyway, it's, uh, it wasn't just uh, Cincinnati, it wasn't just Ohio. It was really uh, up uh, pretty pretty much regionally. Uh, many, many states were involved in this. And uh, I can tell you it was nasty, but today was beautiful. I mean, it was in the, the 70s, it was sunny, not a cloud in the sky. I had a chance to go do a little bike riding. So that was that's always my Saturday treat. It was uh, enjoyable to get out and do that. And it was, it was so nice. I, I rode about 26 miles today. I guess I rode a marathon, come to think of it. <laughs> I think it's a lot harder when you jog it than when you have to do it on a bike. But, you know, it's funny. I felt like I could have done uh, actually a lot more uh, than what I was doing here uh, because the weather was so nice. I wasn't I wasn't wiped out. So anyway, that, that was a nice thing. And, you know, I had mentioned doing a uh, a editing a podcast. It was a Trinity Foundation radio interview that I did with Timothy Kaufman last Saturday, and we talked about Marian apparitions. And and by the way, if you're not signed up for Trinity Foundation uh, radio podcast, if you, have, if you haven't subscribed to our, our, our feed on, on iTunes or on Spotify or go to the website, the Trinity Foundation website, what are you waiting for? It's only the best reform podcast that there is on the internet. Well, okay, maybe I'm, I know I'm, I'm a little bit biased since I do it, but it is a good podcast. I really think it is a good podcast. You know, we have a lot of interesting guests on and, and we deal with some issues that I think are very important, but maybe often are not touched. And, and this was one that I, I did with, uh, with Timothy Kaufman, who it's, he's a very interesting, very brilliant fellow. He uh, was raised Roman Catholic. He is, uh, he was saved. Uh, about the time he in his early 20s when he he started work and uh, after he got out of college and he brings a lot to the table in terms of knowledge of of Roman Catholicism I mean I I can critique Roman Catholicism but I was never a Roman Catholic so I don't know it quite the way that he does but he he knows that from the inside out and and he's able to talk about these things and again we we talk some about the uh the apparitions of Mary a very interesting subject and at some point, I don't know when it's going to happen, but we're going to we're going to do a program on Antichrist, and and that should be uh, that, that's always that, that's one of my favorite topics to talk about. <laughs> I drive some people nuts with that. <laughs> I'm told I'm I'm obsessive about that, but it's it's a you know that that doctrine of Antichrist is a very necessary doctrine, and it's one that's almost been completely lost in the modern Reformed Church. And of course, when we talk about Antichrist, we're talking about the papal Antichrist. You know the the man of sin, the son of perdition, just like what the uh, the original Westminster Confession had that language, but that was removed. I, I sometimes call it the neutered Westminster Confession because that was removed in the early 1900s, about 120 years ago, and it has, I think, substantially damaged the uh, Protestant's ability to uh, not only to see the works of Antichrist, but to understand that. When we were dealing with Roman Catholics, what we're dealing with are people who need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> that was something I always really appreciated about the ministry of of the late Richard Bennett. Richard Bennett, he's the one who founded uh, Berean Beacon, 
And he had a real love for the Roman Catholic people. Richard Bennett was a Roman Catholic priest for, I think, like 28 years or something like this. And, and he was saved. He, he left the priesthood. And, and he was very evangelistic. And, you know, that's one of the things, you know, sometimes when you, you criticize the Roman Catholic Church, maybe some people think, well, we, we hate Roman Catholics or something. Well, no, that's, that's not the case at all. Uh, I think one of the things that's important in, in, when you criticize Rome, one of the important reasons for doing that is to, to make, is, is to bring people out of that, that church, bring people out of that organization, you know, come out from among her, you know, be not partakers of her plagues. And, and, you know, we want to see Roman Catholics come out and, and know the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's what we want to see. And, in order to do that, you also have to, to sometimes, you know, to criticize. I mean, we're told in, in the scriptures, you know, we're to not have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but, but rather to expose them. You know, the King James has uh, reproved them. Uh, the new King James has exposed. I kind of like the idea of exposing them, uh, because, you know, there, there's so much that Rome does that it does under the cover of darkness. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later in this podcast as well. And anyway, I don't want to get too far down the road with that. But uh, yeah, be looking for that episode of that, uh, Trinity Foundation Radio. It's episode 16 with, uh, with Timothy Kaufman uh, as the guest. And uh, what we do is, is Timothy and I, we talk about the, uh, the title of it. It's called the, the Problem of Fatima. And that, that the Fatima, that's one of the, the most famous, most influential apparitions of Mary. So anyway, I, I think you find, you find it very interesting to hear what, what Timothy has to say. And it's always a, a pleasure to speak with him. He's, uh, he's as I said, he's a, he's a, he's a good brother, and, uh, and he's someone who's very knowledgeable on, uh, on these types of subjects. So anyway, moving on here. Um, yeah, the, uh, the title of my episode here tonight is, Is the Financial System About to Break? Well, you know that that's a, a question. I I know it 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 sounds maybe a little bit disturbing. Maybe you think it's clickbaity or something like that. And okay, you know, well, I, I want to try to uh, design a headline. Hopefully that that'll make people want to stop and click on it and listen. No, definitely. So I I'll, I'll cop to that. I'll I'll admit to that. But it's a very serious question. You know, I have followed. Oh, you know the financial system. I've been uh, kind of a prepper in one way or the other, going back to two thousand eight. And it's something I have a real, have long time had an interest in, especially, you know, the, the financial side of things. And yeah, there's a, a lot of, of good sources I've developed over the years, people to listen to, people I respect, who I think are, are very level-headed. I mean, you can, you can find people out there in sort of the alternate uh, independent press or in the prepper community that is some of them, you know, there's a little bit of chicken little in these guys, you know, it's the sky's always falling and, and everything's going to be horrible. And I think they do it to try to scare people and sell stuff to people, this kind of thing. There is some of that, but there are a lot of very talented, very knowledgeable, very uh, honest analysts who, you know, they, they look at a situation and they give you their, their best opinion. I don't mean necessarily that they're always right, but they, they're not lying to you. You know, they, they're, they're looking at things through a very realistic lens and saying, okay, this is what we think is going to happen. And these people that I follow, what I, I have found is I increasingly hear the, the level of their warnings going up. You know, it, it's, you know, sometimes, you know, they're, they're talking about, okay, you know, this stuff is coming, you, know, you need to start getting ready for it. A lot of these people are saying, it's here now. I mean, this financial crisis, this big meltdown in the financial system that we've been talking about for many years, going back to 2008, so that's 14 years ago, they're saying it's here right now, or it's, or, you know, we're, we're right at the leading edge of that hurricane. In fact, one of the, and this isn't one of my favorite people, he's the CEO of, of uh, JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon, not one of my favorite people. And I think JP Morgan is pretty, uh, kind of a shady organization for a lot of reasons. But he came out and, and he said, I think about a week back, that, that we're facing a financial hurricane and that the J.P. Morgan, the bank, I mean, that they are preparing for that to come. And I don't know that he gave an exact time, but you got the definite sense that it's, it's not too far off. That was his thinking. And, and a lot of people, um, some of the people that I do follow, 
you know, what they're saying is, is he's going, the reason, you know, why is he saying this kind of stuff? Because you don't normally hear things like that from a, a major bank CEO. But the reason they think that, that he said this, and I agree with them, is, is he's getting on the record. You know, because what happens when things really do go sideways financially, people are going to say, well, how come you didn't warn us? Well, and he's going to be able to say, well, I did warn you. And that is, I, I agree with that. I think that that's the correct assessment of it. You know, he's getting out in front of this thing and telling people, hey, there's some bad stuff coming. And I think, you know, as, as Christians, I mean, as, you know, we should be prepping. You know, I've, I've talked about that, that proverb many times, the, uh, the proverb, you know, it says you know, that, that the good man foresees trouble coming, uh, the prudent man, I should say, the prudent man foresees trouble coming and hides himself, but the fool passes on and is punished. You, know, you and I need to be able to look around us and and see these problems that are out there. So so what kind of what kind of stuff's going on? You know what what are we seeing out there? Well let's let's do this. I'd like to do a little screen share here. And oops, that's not what I wanted to do. Let's try that again. Uh, let's see. We're gonna do the tab. Now we're going to do a window. Let's try this. How did, okay, there we go. That's, that's what we want. All right, so this is a headline. This is actually from June 10th. So this is from about a week ago. And they came out with the May inflation statistics. Now, the, the statistics that were released back on June the, the 10th, this, was, um, this is what they call the Consumer Price Index. So the Consumer Price Index purports to measure how quickly prices are rising. Uh, for end consumers, people like you and me, you know, people who go to the grocery store, who buy gas, who you know purchase goods and services from from companies, and according to that that figure in in May, the consumer price index had risen eight point six percent year over year. So going back to May of twenty twenty one through May of twenty twenty two, consumer prices rose eight point six percent. And it doesn't say so here in this article. This is from CNBC. It doesn't say so in here in this article, but I had another source that said the the actual increase for the month of May was 0.8%. And if you annualize that, so I mean, if if inflation, if, if prices go up 0.8% every month for the next 12 months, that works out to 10.6%. So if you, you project that forward to May of 2023, you know, we would come, we would look at, in May of 23, we'd look back and say, well, prices have gone up 10.6% from May of 2022. So not only have we had huge inflation from 2021 to 2022, the, the numbers that we got in May of this year suggest that that, infl- that, the, that the rate that prices are going up is accelerating. It's getting faster. Now, notice that I'm saying rising prices. I'm not saying inflation. When you look at at this headline, of course, they talk about inflation. And when they say inflation, they mean rising prices. But it's important to distinguish that rising prices are not inflation. Rising prices are the result of inflation. Inflation is the abnormal increase in the supply of money. And the Federal Reserve has printed money like crazy over the past two years. Now, in addition to the Federal Reserve printing massive amounts of money, or currency more accurately, there's also been severe supply restrictions. These have been caused by um, various policies of the Biden regime in in terms of of creating, you know, the the way they shut down domestic oil production or severely curtailed it, let's say that. Um, The sanctions that they have leveled on Russia have created severe uh, supply restrictions as well. So when you get uh, massive money printing, and then you combine that with a supply restriction, it's not surprising that you you end up with the uh, prices taking off the way that they have. That's that's exactly what we would expect. Um, now here's some. This is let's just go go along here with the uh, the theme of of rising prices. Now last week, back on the tenth of of June, they released the consumer price index. Well, a week later, here on 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 June fourteenth, this was on Tuesday, and so this is earlier this week. 
there was a release of what's called the producer price index. So the producer price index is a lot like the consumer price index. The difference is this, whereas the consumer price index measures or claims to measure how fast prices are going up for you and me, you know, consumers, people who go to stores and this kind of thing, the producer price index, as the name indicates, purports to measure how fast prices are going up for businesses. So, you know, suppose you own a factory and you have to buy, you know, raw goods from from a supplier. Well, the producer price index is supposed to measure how fast prices are going up for the supplies that you need to be able to run your business. And they're going up even faster than the consumer price index. In in May, you know, what was it, 8.6% for the consumer price index in May of this year? Well, it was 10.8% on the producer price index level. So, I mean, in, in the of course, the thing is, as the producer price index goes up, that those additional costs get passed along to you and me. So that is uh, quite a remarkable number. So, I mean, the, the inflation, uh, again, I'm using inflation to mean rising prices here because that's the way the, uh, the, uh, the central bankers and all the talking heads in the news media use it. So I'm going to, going to use it in that, in that sense for a moment here. The, in, the inflation, the rising prices are not transitory. You know, this is the thing they were always talking about. They were talking about, oh, you know, Jay Powell, he's the, the head of the Federal Reserve, the, the, the central bank of the United States. And Jay Powell's out there. He's saying, oh, well, it's transitory. And Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, she's out there saying, oh, you know, inflation's transitory. It was, that, was, that was the buzzword that everybody was using. Well, it ain't transitory. Uh, not only is it not transitory, inflation, you know, rising prices, are, prices are going up at a faster and faster rate. And a lot of people think that that's going to continue. And I, I agree with them. I think that that is. So there's a lot of really bad economic news on that front. And that's not the only thing that's going on. If you follow the financial markets, there's a lot of really ugly stuff going on right now. If you have crypto, say if you have Bitcoin or some of the other cryptocurrencies, they're getting crushed right now. Uh, the, the, past, the, the past six months have been really bad on cryptos, but especially here in June, it's just been devastating. And even here over this weekend, the uh, Bitcoin fell under $20,000. And that's, that is, uh, is a substantial decline, even from the first of this month. It's probably lost. Um, it may have lost at least a third, maybe more than a third of its value here in just the last, I'd say, three weeks. It's been devastating. And it's not just Bitcoin. It's not just the crypto market that's stinking it up, too. Stocks are crashing. Bonds are selling off. Uh, there's a lot of really bad stuff going on. So as as Christians, I mean, you and I need to look at this. I mean, we're not all financial analysts. We don't all have to be financialists. But, you know, going back to that verse in Scripture, it talks about the prudent man foresees trouble coming, Okay. You and I, even if we're not economists, even if we don't follow the financial markets on, on a daily basis, you know, we all buy gas, we all buy food, we all have to live, we all have to meet expenses, pay rent or pay mortgages, these kinds of things. Maybe have, uh, maybe hopefully you don't have an adjustable rate mortgage because interest rates are going up uh, very quickly right now as well. But we ought to be able to stop and look around and say, hey, you know, we're seeing stuff that we've never seen before. I mean, I'm paying where I am over $5 a gallon for gas, and I think that's pretty normal. I think that's about the national average or so. So yeah, that's probably what you're paying as well here if you're in the United States. We're paying more for gas than ever. I've got a car, you know, a little 2010 Pontiac. It's got a 14-gallon tank in it. Typically when I fill up, I put in, uh, I'd say, 10 to 12 gallons when I, when I fill up. Last weekend, I filled up and I paid $63 to put gas in my little car. It's a four-cylinder. I mean, it's, it's a G6. It's, you know, just, I guess it would be considered a compact car. Not a big car at all. And yeah, so, I mean, that was a big shock. $63 to fill up my car. So, I mean, we can see this stuff all. I mean, we can look around you. You go to the gas pump. You go to the grocery store. You go do just about anything. You can see these rising prices. And not just rising prices, but probably prices that are going up faster than many of us have ever seen before. Maybe you remember the 1970s where we had massive, uh, rising, massively rising prices back then. We appear to be in a similar economic environment right now. 
So you and I need to be able to look around and say, hmm, you know, there are problems out there. Now, there's another problem on top of all that. On top of all the, the rising prices, on top of all the crashing markets, here's something else that is, is really important, I think, that, that you be aware of. And that is there are some, appears to be there are some big changes coming to the U.S. dollar in the not-so-distant future. And uh, what I'd like to do here, I want to play a, uh, a short video. And this, this video... Look Excuse me. This video is, it's Jay Powell. And Jay Powell is the chairman of the Federal Reserve. So he's a big shot. So if you don't follow the financial press a lot, this is a guy that when he speaks, he, he carries a lot of weight. Now, uh, I'm no fan of the Federal Reserve. I think the Federal Reserve should be eliminated. Uh, it's unconstitutional. It is unchristian. Uh, it is immoral. But all of those things being the case, it is, it is a very powerful institution. And what he says is this video, it's, it's about 40 seconds here or so, but he, he's describing the, the, a major change that's coming to the U.S. dollar probably within the next year. I don't believe he puts a time frame on it. Maybe he does here. I have to, I listened to it earlier today. So I, I forget, but a lot of people think we're going to get this uh, new, this change in the dollar is going to take place next year. And what's this change I'm talking about? It is a, a the, issuance, the creation of what's called the Fed, the Fed digital dollar, or just the digital dollar. That is an electronic currency that's issued by the Federal Reserve. So, you know, we talked a little bit about Bitcoin. Maybe you've got some Bitcoin or Ethereum or maybe some other coin. Well, this is kind of like one of those, but it's different in at least one very important respect. And that is, it's not issued by on the private market, like these these uh, cryptocurrencies that are out there, like like Bitcoin, this is a electronic money issued by America's central bank, and all the big central banks around the world are working on these things. Sometimes they call them generically central bank digital currencies (CBDCs). If you you know you read an article, you might see somebody talk about a CBDC. Well, a CBDC is a central bank digital currency. That's just kind of a generic catch-all term for any digital currency issued by any central bank, whether it's the Federal Reserve here, whether it's the Bank of England, the Bank of Japan, the uh, European Central Bank, the People's Bank of China. You know, there's all these different uh, countries, different areas have their own central banks that issue currencies. Well, all these central banks are now getting to the point where they want to issue a uh, electronic money. And I think there are some real things, real concerns uh, about this. I, I don't think this is going to be a development that's probably going to be favorable to you and to me. But it's something we need to be aware of. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play this video, and maybe we'll we'll talk a little bit about it here. So let's let's see what what Jay Powell has to say to us. Looking forward, rapid changes are taking place in the global monetary system that may affect the international role of the dollar in the future. Most major economies already have or are in the process of developing instant 24-7 payments. Our own FedNow service will be coming online in 2023. And in light of the tremendous growth in crypto assets and stable coins, we are examining whether a U.S. central bank digital currency would improve upon what is an already safe and efficient domestic payment system. Our, as our white paper on this topic notes, a U.S. CBDC could also potentially help maintain the dollar's international standing. Looking okay, so, so there you go. This is coming right from the horse's mouth. So it's not conspiracy theory. And it, it, this, is, this is a real thing. Now, what's interesting is that Jay Powell, and this goes back in early March. This is a little bit over three months ago. And here's a headline. It says, just in, Fed chairman, so the same guy here, Jay Powell, Fed chairman says there's room for multiple reserve currencies. Well, now that's a big shock. You know, room for multiple reserve currencies. Okay, so here's, here's something else that, that's important to understand. That the the dollar, the, the U.S. dollar, the American dollar, is the reserve currency of the world. What that basically means is that many countries throughout the world use U.S. dollars to buy and to sell things. So the, the, the role of the U.S. dollar isn't just domestically here in the United States. It's used all over the world to make payments, 
uh, to purchase things, you know, to receive payments. Uh, it's kept on the balance sheets of other countries' central banks, essentially as savings. The central banks, they call them reserves, but when, they, when, a, when a central bank talks about its reserves, what it means is it's its, it's cash. It, it's its savings. And many central banks hold dollars, U.S. dollars, on their balance sheet. So the dollar is is extremely important, and it, and it gives the United States a tremendous amount of power in the world. You know, we think of of power as maybe something that's strictly military. Well, militarily, uh, we we speak of power, but power is also financial power, and it, this gives the United States a tremendous amount of financial power. And the fact that the U.S. dollar is used all over the world means that it is is uh, it, it's more valuable than it otherwise would be. And when, when I say the dollar is more valuable than it otherwise would be, say, if it weren't the world's reserve currency, what that means as Americans is that you and I can buy more stuff with our dollars because it's the world's reserve currency. Okay? So when we talk about the value of the dollar being, being lifted up by being the world's reserve currency, you and I experience that by being able to buy things cheaper than we otherwise would. Now, the danger, one of the things that we all that we have to keep an eye on as prudent men, as as, as Christians, as, as people who 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 believe in you know trusting in the Lord and and looking about us and and applying the lessons that we learn from the scriptures, one of the things we have to think about is what happens. What happens if the the dollar is no longer the reserve currency, or what happens if, let's say, you know, as as Jay Powell seems to suggest here, that there could be more than one reserve currency? Okay, so maybe it's the U.S. dollar, and maybe something else. Perhaps is is that what he's trying to say here? I don't know. Uh, it possibly that that's what he means. Well, if that's the case, you know, that's going to tend to mean the value of the dollar is going to come down. And if the value of the dollar comes down, you and I as Americans, we're going to experience that as the cost of everything going up. Because if the value of the dollar goes down, that means it buys less stuff. And again, this is something that could be coming fairly soon for us. Now, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make a prediction here. What I am trying to do, though, is to make is to warn you and say, hey, you need to be aware of this. So you know, when we talk about some of these things that are going on, some of the instability that we're seeing in the financial system, some of the, the rising prices, the, the threat to the, the dollar's sole status, status as the world's sole reserve currency, when we see these things, we could experience some big shocks as Americans, you know, and, and so, so what do we do about that? Well, I, I think one of the things, one of the big things we can do is we need to make ourselves robust and resilient financially. One of the, the best ways to do that is to pay down debt. You know, you want to get yourself in a stronger position financially as you can. It's kind of like you think about, you know, if, if you're in a situation where you're caught with, with floodwaters, you know, and, and the floodwaters are rushing in, well, what you want to do, you want to get the high ground, right? Well, when we're talking about floodwaters, quote, you know, financial floodwaters, what we want to do is we want to make sure that we get to high ground and, you know, stay out of the flood, you know, keep, stay away from those rising floodwaters. So how do we do that? Well, paying off debt is certainly one of the important things to do. So we need to limit our debt and it's, it's good to have some, some savings, some cushion. You know, you may want to think a little bit about, you know, possibly taking on uh, getting rid of a little bit of risk financially. I mean, maybe you've got some risky investments. Well, you maybe want to think about perhaps uh, going a little bit more conservative, possibly. You know, that's something if you have a financial advisor, you may want to talk to your financial advisor about that and, and get his opinion on it. Something else, and, and I'm a big advocate of this, and that is you need, I think it's very important that everybody have some of their wealth held outside of the financial system. Now, that sounds really mysterious, but it, it's actually one of the easiest things there is to do. So how do you get wealth outside of the financial system? Well, the easiest way for most of us, and this is what I, I strongly believe in this, and that is buying some gold and silver. 
Now, I'm not going to go into a big discussion about how you do that, but I think it's, it's super important for everybody to have some wealth held outside of the banking, outside of the financial system. Because if the, if the system takes a big hit, that gold, that silver that you have outside of the system, it, if, if the entire financial system were to implode tomorrow, that gold and silver you have would still have value. It'd probably have more value than it does now. Now, the dollars you have, they may be worth nothing or maybe worth a fraction of what they currently are. So this, these are some things that, that we can do. You know, we can eliminate debt. We can build up some savings. We can get some of our wealth outside of the financial system by buying gold and silver. So those are some practical suggestions that I would have right now, at least in terms of, of dealing with your money. All right. So what I wanted to do, uh, I had a couple of other items that I wanted to talk about here. And if you can bear with me just a moment, there was a, an announcement here this week by, uh, by Joe Biden. And let's take a look here. Uh, Joe Biden, he was, uh, was talking about, or he was making a push to, uh, for, for DACA. DACA is a, that's a, an immigration program that was started by, via executive order by Barack Obama. And here's what Joe Biden said. He said, 10 years ago today, I stood by President Obama as we carried out one of our proudest accomplishments. On his 10th DACA anniversary, we celebrate the transformational impact it's had on hundreds of thousands of young people. It's time for Congress to make this permanent now. So basically what this is, DACA, that stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. So it, it supposedly, you know, the, the idea is that if somebody came to the United States, say, as a, as a minor, that, you know, and has lived here for... <coughs> excuse me, has lived here for a long time that, you know, they're, they're maybe they're not citizens of the United States, but it gives them a pinch basically to stay in the United States permanently rather than having to go back to their country of origin. Well, this is just another, I can have some sympathy for people that are in that situation, but this is another attempt by the Democrats to flood the United States with migrants and essentially uh, flood the United States with Democrats. That, that's what this is. And it's million, this, this covers, I, I don't remember, it's been a while since I've looked at this, but I mean, this, could, this would be a, another huge flood on top of the flood of illegal aliens that the Biden regime is already bringing in. No, I do not approve of the idea of, of, uh, of DACA. And in fact, Trump tried to get rid of it, and the court said, well, he can't do that, which was absolutely ridiculous because... If it was if it was put on under Barack Obama by an executive order, it should be able to be removed by an executive order. But here's something I want to want to to draw your attention to. So we see here that Biden is out, and this was from June 15th. So this was Wednesday. And I want you to notice this. This is. This is a screenshot from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops website, the USCCB website. And notice the date on this, June 15th. So the same day that that, uh, Biden was out there pushing DACA, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops pushes DACA. Look at this headline. U.S. Bishops Migration Chairman expresses solidarity with dreamers on DACA's 10th anniversary. Calls for a long-awaited inflection point. Okay, so the, the people who are eligible for DACA, sometimes they're called dreamers. That's, that's what that's referring to. And you can see here the bishops write, they say, Today marks 10 years since the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals DACA program was created through executive order. And they go on here. I don't want to get into the weeds of DACA right now. What I want you to notice, though, this is the kind of the big picture thing I want you to take away from this. Notice that the Biden regime and the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, I call those people a treasonous brood of vipers. Notice that they are doing the exact same thing on exactly the same day. They're both pushing for DACA. When you see all of this immigration chaos that's going on, this disaster that we have on our southern border, that's not an accident. That is, that's not a mistake. It's not an oopsie. That's the plan. And the plan that's being carried out is the immigration plan of the papal antichrist. The United States of America is under assault by 
Pope Francis, who is the current Antichrist, who's trying to flood this nation with Roman Catholics or any kind of migrants, immigrants, refugees they can get, although I think they'd prefer Roman Catholics, but it really doesn't matter so much to them. But what they want to do is they want to overwhelm the United States, destabilize the United States, and, and destroy our sovereignty. The, and the reason for that, the ultimate reason for that is not, is, is to bring the United States into a, uh, under a global government regime headed up by the Pope. The, this is, this is the plan. And it's important to understand that. You know, we, I, I talk about the papal antichrist. Well, one of the things the papal antichrist loves more than anything else is world government. Pope after pope after pope, including, as well as many high ranking church officials or, uh, church uh, organizations have put out statements over a long period of time, all saying the same thing. And it boils down to this. We love world government. Well, by flooding the United States, as well as the, the nations of Western Europe with migrants, that is the plan, is to destabilize these countries and, and make them, uh, put them in a situation where uh, they really no longer exist. You know, they're, they're not identifiable as, as sovereign nations, and they can more easily be folded into a global government. That's what's going on here. You know, the United States of America is under full-bore assault from Antichrist. And I, I think back about what uh, it was Charles Spurgeon. There's a great quote from Charles Spurgeon. He talks about it's the bounden duty of every Christian to pray against Antichrist. And who that is... Yeah, he he says, well, you know, there there should be no doubt. You know, if it's not if it be not Popery in the Church of Rome, there is nothing else which answers to it. I don't know if that's an exact quote, but it's pretty close. And uh, you know, Charles, Charles Spurgeon. I mean, he was a he was a Reformed Baptist from England uh, in the 19th century, and he understood who Antichrist was. And I think it's very interesting. He talks about it's the bounden duty to pray against Antichrist. And this is one of the real frustrations that, that I have in my own, in, in, in our time, is that so few people understand who Antichrist is. Now, he's that guy over there in Rome with a funny, you know, pointy hat. You know, of course, I'm talking about Pope Francis. And it, it's all of the popes. It's the office of the papacy. Uh, it, that, that, is, that is Antichrist. It's the head of that false church. And, and of course, you know, the Roman Catholic Church is the system of Antichrist. You know, if the head's Antichrist, you know, the, the body is, is the system of Antichrist. It, it follows logically. And yet very few people understand what they're dealing with. You know, when they, they talk about all this mass migration and immigration and uh, illegal aliens and all these other things, the church is almost never mentioned. And, and there's, there's a reason for that. It's, there's a, a book that I was reading last week. It was, a, it was an interesting book. It's called American Democracy in the Vatican. And it was actually, the, the fellow who wrote it was probably, I, I don't know for sure, but my, my guess is he was probably a liberal. I don't believe he was a, you know, he, he wasn't, uh, he, he wasn't a, uh, an evangelical or a, you know, a reform, probably a reformed Presbyterian like I am or, or, or something like this. Although I don't know, who knows? Maybe he, maybe he is uh, a Presbyterian or, or something like that, but he just uh, is, is confused about some things. But he, uh, he had some very interesting things to say about Rome. And, and, and let me just read this quote for you here. He says, he says this, quote, As the old saying goes, secrecy is power. Secrecy is the Roman Catholic Church's single greatest source of political power, and great care is taken to protect this source of power. For population growth control, this secrecy is of major importance. Censorship of the American press by the hierarchy is extensive. Almost never does, a, does an American see a negative comment about the church. And, and here's the thing that's so stunning. I mean, that not only is that true, is his statement here true, about... Uh, the the legacy media, the mainstream media. It's also true of the independent media. I mean, sit, go and and you know, if you follow independent media uh, out there, uh, ask yourself when was the last time anybody pointed out the the uh, overwhelming the the effect that the Roman Catholic Church has, the influence the Roman Catholic Church has on the uh, in creating this whole uh, immigration disaster. They provide both the, the the philosophical foundation for it. 
they as well as they they ate it you know either through aid in kind or through money or you know by by lobbying <laughs> politicians what have you they're all their fingerprints are all over this but almost nobody ever points them out now as far as i'm concerned i mean as i mentioned i think earlier the us conference of catholic bishops is a treasonous brood of vipers i've followed them for years and I have, and I go in and I make it a point to clip all of their press releases that are related to immigration. And I have over a hundred of them now that I've I've picked up probably over the last five years. And I can tell you, uh, having gone through all of these these uh, statements on on immigration and migration and refugee resettlement from the USCCB, not one of them is biblical. Not one of them is constitutional. Not one of them is in any way beneficial to the American people. But it is very beneficial to the church uh, in both their short-term as well as their long-term goals. And of course, as a Roman Catholic, uh, Biden is uh, quite eager to carry out his, uh, his, uh, his master's, do his master's bidding. And of course, you know, that's, that's the Pope over there in Rome. And that's exactly what he's doing. Anyway, so enough about uh, immigration. Oh, you know, there was, uh, there actually was one thing. Let me see real quick if I can find this here. Because I know there was a, uh, there's an interesting story that I came across about uh, how the uh, Baptist churches in New, Me- in New Mexico are cooperating with, uh, with the Roman Catholic Church. Now, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, this is one of the problems, of course, among uh, evangelicals is that you know they've lost the doctrine of antichrist and it makes them very susceptible to being drawn into antichrist's orbit so let's take a look here can we find this oh goodness yeah here we go Okay, so this is some CBN news, and the headline is, We want to make sure they see the love of God. Faith-based shelters prepare for border surge. And this is from El Paso, Texas, and it talks about as the Biden administration prepares to end Title 42, faith-based shelters along the U.S.-Mexico border are getting ready. Now, this is from June 8th, so I guess, what, a couple weeks back here. And... Says early on a Tuesday morning, a volunteer at a Baptist shelter cooked sausage and French toast for 60 parents and their children dropped off by Border Patrol the night before after immigration processing. So our Border Patrol, instead of actually uh, patrolling our border and preventing an influx of illegal aliens, they're they're making food drops uh, for these people, which is only going to encourage more of them. And that's 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 what's going on there. And it says, this is just one of the stops in the journey from wherever they're coming from, says Pastor Kelly Knott, who oversees the ministry supported by 84 churches in the El Paso Baptist Association, as well as Southern Baptist across the state. So it's not just local churches there in El Paso, but it's the Southern Baptist churches in Texas. And this uh, pastor not continues, we want to make sure that when they stop here with us, especially on this border town in El Paso, Texas, and the United States, they see the love of God. <clears throat> and let's see here. Um, the skipping down here, Ruben Garcia oversees the Baptist shelter and a dozen or so other faith-based sites across the metro area. He founded Annunciation House, the primary hub uh, over four decades ago, in the last several years, he's created a network of shelters in response to demand. Well, the Annunciation House is a, so this Ruben Garcia, he founded the, he oversees, get this, he oversees the Baptist shelter, but yet he founded the Annunciation House. And if you go to the Annunciation House headlines or a website here, let's see what it says. See, Annunciation House is a volunteer organization that offers hospitality to migrants, immigrants, and refugees in El Paso, Texas, rooted in Catholic social teaching. Rooted in Catholic social teaching. Well, Catholic social teaching is utterly destructive of liberty, both economic and political. Roman Catholic social teaching is antithetical to the Bible. It is antithetical to our Constitution. It is incompatible with the American Republic. It is utterly destructive. It brings about poverty. It, it teaches people to steal. 
through government, through the welfare state. It's, uh, it's a complete disaster. And yet this fellow, this, this Ruben Garcia, you know, he says that, that this, is a, this is a great thing. And my assumption here, based upon the name and the fact that they are um, pushing Roman Catholic social teaching, is that this is a Catholic organization. I mean, the Annunciation, I mean, that, that, that's a very Catholic uh, uh, sort of a term that you see. And again, you know, they, they say that they're, they are explicitly um, pushing Roman Catholic social teaching. So this appears to be a case where you have uh, a Roman Catholic organization that's overseeing uh, Baptists. Now, I have to tell you something, quite frankly, I think any Baptist uh, church that would allow itself to be used that way is being unfaithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they need to be rebuked. So, anyway, um, you know, we, here we see cooperation in, in terms of uh, the, the Biden regime along with the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, and then you see the uh, Baptists <clears throat> cooperating with the Roman Catholic Church as well. So we have major problems as Protestants, and it's high time that we learned to, to see things biblically. In this case, understand who Antichrist is, and as Charles Spurgeon said, to pray against him, and then even go beyond that, to speak out against him. We have that obligation to do that, because Antichrist is destroying the United States of America. That is what he is doing. He's doing it intentionally. It's not an accident. It's on purpose. And one of the ways he's doing that is by flooding the country with illegal aliens. All right. So one last order of business I wanted to mention here today. Let's take a look here. There was a, uh, <clears throat> there was a, uh, a very interesting video that I saw earlier today. It was by this fellow, his name's Gonzalo Lira, and he's actually, uh, I, he, he's Chilean, uh, I understand. But right now, he, he's been living in Ukraine, I guess, for some time, and he's been issuing war reports. And what he talked about in this video, and I'm going to put a link to this, because I think this is worth taking some time to watch. It's, it's about a 10-minute, well, that's about a 13-minute video. Very interesting, but what he talks about is the Biden regime's uh, desire to uh, to escalate the conflict that's going on in Ukraine, and what the way they're doing this is apparently, if you listen to this video, what he's saying here is they're they're working with Estonia to cut off Russia from Kaliningrad. So what does all that mean? Well, if if you look at 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 Russia, I'm kind of kind of put my my hand up here. Um, Estonia is a country that borders on Russia in in the uh, I guess that would be what the the northwest of the country, on the northwest side of it. Estonia is a very small country, but it borders it borders on Russia. And there's this this odd little thing. There's a, a city um, that apparently was captured by the, this goes back to the Soviet Union back in World War II called Kaliningrad, which was taken by the Soviet Union at the time. And it's been recognized as Russian territory ever since then. And back about the time the Soviet Union fell, when they, they changed over to the Russian Federation, apparently there was some type of a treaty that, um, allows Russia access to Kaliningrad. Kaliningrad is is actually it's separate. It's it's not contiguous with the rest the rest of Russia. So in order for Russia uh, a Russian to get to Kaliningrad, you have to go by railway through Estonia. It, think of it a little bit like Alaska. Alaska is part of the United States, but it's not contiguous with the rest of the 40, uh, 48 states, the lower 48. In order to get to Alaska, you have to go through Canada, at least if you want to drive anyway. And it's the same way with Kaliningrad, with Russia. In order for a Russian to get to Kaliningrad, he has to go by railway. And there was this treaty between Russia and Estonia where Estonia agreed to never interfere with Russia's ability to get to Kaliningrad by, by rail. Well, apparently, you know, what, what Gonzalo Lear is saying here is that there was going to be a change, that they were going to stop this. And sure enough, I saw a headline just tonight. Now, I, I just saw this, this video this morning, and just tonight I saw a report where that's, that is happening. 
And this is, of course, designed to to provoke Russia. This is what uh, the assumption is, uh, based on what Gonzalo Lira says, is that the United States is putting pressure on Estonia to to close Russia off. And, of course, that's going to lead to a conflict. And the court, what uh, Gonzalo Lira says is it will lead to a direct conflict with U.S. troops fighting Russia, in his opinion. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen. But if something like that does, that would be a very, very serious escalation of this war. Now, there's a, a guy that I follow uh, who does, uh, he's an alternate media guy. And, and one of the things that he often says, he says, uh, when all else fails, they take you to war. So the suggestion here is that you know, maybe what the, the Biden regime is doing is since things are going so badly here at home, you know, with the, all the, the massively rising prices, with the economy tanking, with the stock market tanking, with you know, millions of illegal aliens flooding into the country, and seemingly every other problem under the sun, that you kind of distract attention by uh, by starting a war with Russia. Now, I think there's probably more to it than that. I think this is something that they've wanted to do for a long time for other reasons. I'm just going to leave it at that for right now. We're getting on close to an hour, so I kind of want to wrap up. But I want to I'm going to put this link in in the show notes. And if you want to watch this, I, I really recommend you at least take a look at this because everything that we've been told about the Ukrainian, the Russia-Ukrainian war uh, by the mainstream press is a lie. Yeah, big surprise there, right? That, that's what they do. They lie. You know, unfortunately, you and I you know we live at a time when just about everything that we hear and see in our lives from mainstream institutions is is a lie. And we have to be able to recognize that. You know, I've, I've talked about this many times. You and I as Christians, we have to have discernment. We have to use discernment. We have to use biblical discernment when evaluating the things that are going on about us. And we need to pray for that. You know, the, you know James, you know, he talked about if any, if any man lacks wisdom, let him pray. To, and let him pray to God, you know, who gives to all men uh, generously and without reproach. And we need to pray for wisdom. We need to pray for discernment, for biblical discernment. And it's one of the, the goals that I have for this podcast is to help you do that, you know, to help you find, you know, I try to find some things that I think are sound and, and to pass those along. And, and I think this video is well worth taking a few minutes to watch. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and leave it there. I, I wish all of you a blessed Lord's Day tomorrow. And I'm recording this. This is actually very early in the morning on the Sunday uh, Sunday, June 19th. It's way too early in the morning. I should be in bed, as I said, but, uh, but here I am recording a podcast. Anyway, wish you all have a, a blessed Lord's Day tomorrow, and uh, we'll uh, talk again hopefully uh, soon, maybe in about a week or so. Thanks so much for watching, and may the Spirit of Truth guide you in all truth as you're going to study God's Word. <laughs>